Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The guard on duty perked up when 19-year-old Bonnie Parker stepped into the McLennan County Jail in Waco, Texas on the evening of March 11, 1930. It was her second visit of the day, which normally wasn't allowed, but the guard made an exception for her. Bonnie smiled and worked her way to the second floor of the jail where her boyfriend Clyde Barrow waited in his cell. Once there, she slipped Clyde a revolver through the bars, headed back downstairs and walked past the guard out into the evening air. With Bonnie safely away, Clyde sprang into action. He and two other prisoners summoned a guard to the relatively empty second floor. Threatening the guard with a smuggled revolver, they stepped out of their cells and escaped from the county jail. Bullets whizzed past them as they fled through the streets of Waco with authorities on their heels. They knew they wouldn't last long on foot, so Clyde hotwired a car, and the escaped prisoners sped off into the darkness. Before they were even out of the city, they ditched the first car and hotwired another, then another, and another, and another, until a string of stolen vehicles got them all the way from central Texas to southwest Ohio. While Clyde left Texas behind, Bonnie waited for word on what to do next. They hadn't been together long, but there was no separating them now. She smuggled in the revolver, just like he'd asked. They were already in love, and now they were partners in crime. Bonnie thought there was something romantic about that, like a story right out of the movies.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Black Barrel Media, this is Infamous America. I'm your host, Chris Wimmer. In this season, we're telling a six-part story about the notorious outlaws, Bonnie and Clyde. This is episode one, The Fairy Tale. Clyde Chestnut Barrow was born on March 24, 1910. At least that's the date his mother wrote in the family Bible. Clyde was the fifth of seven Barrow children, the third of four sons. By the time Clyde was born, the Barrow family had spent years making their way from one small Texas town to another as Clyde's father hunted for work or picked cotton on other people's farms. Clyde was born in a rural community about 40 miles southeast of Dallas. As a boy, Clyde dreamed of moving to the big city one day like his older siblings had done. By the time he was 12, his dream came true. In the early 1920s, life for small Texas farmers grew more and more difficult. After the end of World War I, the demand for Texas cotton plummeted as European farmers returned to their lands and no longer relied on America as their sole supplier. Drought and infestations further devastated crops and made it difficult for Texas landowners to make their payments, let alone employ migrant workers. In 1922, Clyde's parents realized they could no longer feed and support their three youngest children if they stayed in their community. Dallas offered hope to downtrodden Texans from across the state. It was a place of growth and industry and art. City leaders believed it could one day rival the great destinations of the world. A Paris, France, right there in North Texas. That's what the Barrows believed. Their oldest children had moved to the city years before, and all reports made it seem like they were flourishing. But when Clyde's parents and the youngest Barrow kids arrived, Dallas didn't have much to offer. They settled in a West Dallas camp filled with poor families who'd come to the city in search of the American dream. The Barrows spent their nights sleeping under their wagon and hoping they might have a roof over their heads again someday. For a while, they sent young Clyde away to work on his uncle's small farm in Corsicana. It was one less mouth to feed. But Clyde wasn't cut out for farm life. Even with all its struggles, he loved the city. He loved the men in their tailored suits and the women in their sharp dresses. He loved listening to music and going to the movies. At 15 years old, Clyde stopped traveling to Corsicana 
and truly made Dallas his home. At 16, he dropped out of school and started spending more time with his older brother, Buck. Clyde idolized his older brother and wanted to do whatever he was doing. At first, it meant stealing chickens, then stealing cars. Eventually, it meant robbing stores and small businesses. By the late 1920s, the Barrow brothers had gained a name among local authorities, and their growing fame made Buck and Clyde heroes to some of the working class in West Dallas. But as 1929 came to a close, things took a turn for the Barrow brothers. After the stock market crashed in October of 1929, much of the focus in the national media had been on the wealthier Americans who'd lost everything. The crippling effect that the plunging economy had on the country's already struggling poor went largely ignored. Clyde had worked legitimate jobs even while engaging in his petty crimes. But after the crash, it became clear those jobs were never gonna earn enough money to survive. On November 29, 1929, the Barrow brothers decided to pull a bigger job than the ones they were used to. They traveled with a friend about 40 miles north of Dallas to Denton. Feeling good from the moonshine they'd been drinking, they fixed their sights on the Motor Mark garage. Under the cover of darkness, they broke into the garage and tried to crack the safe. They failed. Unable to get it open, the three men loaded the safe into their car. It was a sloppy job that only got sloppier when they started driving. With Clyde at the wheel, they whipped across town in an effort to get back to Dallas as fast as possible. Clyde's driving attracted the attention of a police car, and soon the Barrow brothers found themselves in a high-speed chase. Clyde lost control of the car, slammed into a pole, and all three men were thrown from the vehicle. They took off on foot with police in pursuit. Shots were fired. A bullet hit Buck and he went down. Clyde kept running and hiding. At the end of the night, he was the only one of the three who'd escaped. As he hitchhiked back to Dallas, Clyde couldn't shake the feeling that he'd left his big brother to die on the streets of Denton. Bonnie Parker dreamed of being a famous poet or a Broadway star. The next Emily Dickinson or Lillian Russell. In high school, she took every opportunity to show off her writing or to perform on stage. Bonnie was born on October 1, 1910, in the small West Texas town of Rowena. But after her father died, the family moved. She spent most of her life in the section of West Dallas known as Cement City. It was a poor neighborhood that took its name from the cement factories in the area. It didn't seem like a place to launch a musical theater career, or to transform into a 20th century Belle of Amherst. But that didn't stop Bonnie from hoping. She still believed her life could be a fairy tale. When Bonnie was 15, she fell in love. Visions of future Broadway fame faded, and a young man named Roy Thornton became her major focus. After all, there was more than one type of fairy tale. Roy was tall and handsome, and they always had fun. Bonnie got a tattoo on her right thigh above the knee with two intertwined hearts and the names Bonnie and Roy. Now she wanted nothing more than to settle down with Roy and start a family. 
less than two weeks before her 16th birthday, Bonnie and Roy married, and it seemed to Bonnie like her happily ever after had begun. But reality quickly set in. Roy had a wandering eye and a penchant for crime. He disappeared for days on end and left Bonnie to complain to her mother about her brand new husband. In August of 1927, Roy left without any explanation and didn't return for over a week. Bonnie questioned where he'd been. Already drunk and angry, Roy hit her. Soon after Roy's violent outburst, the couple separated for a time, but they got back together. Finally, in January of 1928, Bonnie decided she wouldn't divorce Roy, but she wouldn't stay with him either. Roy left town, and Bonnie wouldn't see him again for another year. She wrote in her diary that moving forward, she would take no man seriously. And she proclaimed, let all men go to hell. Throughout 1928, Bonnie set out to make her own way. She got a job as a waitress at Hargrave's Cafe and started making her own money. It might not have been a fairy tale or something out of the movies, but it was honest work and it gave Bonnie a sense of independence. Hargrave's Cafe was located on Swiss Avenue in East Dallas. Sprawling mansions and well-manicured grounds dotted parts of Swiss Avenue throughout the 1920s. At times, it seemed a world away from Cement City and Bonnie's West Dallas life. She made friends with her co-workers and some of the women who worked in other shops nearby. Those who got to know the 18-year-old Bonnie at the time would say later how nice she was and how easy she was to get along with. Work at the cafe bolstered Bonnie's confidence that she could take care of herself. When Roy Thornton resurfaced in Dallas in January of 1929, Bonnie told him again that they were done. Months later, Roy was arrested and sent to prison. Bonnie never saw or talked to Roy again, but she didn't divorce him either. It was said she wore her wedding ring until the day she died. Bonnie continued to work and make her own living in 1929. She'd grown used to her independence, but by the time she was 19, thoughts of fame and fortune started to creep back in. Then in January of 1930, Bonnie's brother and his wife invited her to a party at their house. That night would change everything, and Bonnie Parker's life would soon become the stuff of Hollywood legend. Buck Barrow didn't die after he was shot during the botched robbery of the Motor Mark garage in Denton. For a while, Clyde feared for his brother's life, but then Clyde got word that Buck's gunshot wound was relatively minor. Buck was in jail awaiting trial. The attempted robbery had taken place in November of 1929. A month later, a jury found Buck guilty of burglary, and he was sentenced to four years in the state prison in Huntsville. Doing time in small county jails was one thing, but Huntsville was something very different. Prisoners could be forced into backbreaking work as they carried out their sentences, and a small-time thief like Buck could find himself in close quarters with murderers and madmen. Buck, who was recently married, took stock of his life. He hoped his new wife Blanche would wait for him, and he promised things would be different when he got out. In a letter to his parents, Buck wrote, 
I shall try, to the best that is in me, to lead a life worthwhile in the future and be a man that the people will respect. Clyde looked up to his older brother and had spent most of his teen years emulating him. But when it came to Buck's prison conversion, Clyde wouldn't follow. Clyde had no intention of giving up his life of crime. America was on the doorstep of the Great Depression, and Clyde knew honest work wasn't designed to help people like the Barrows get ahead. In January of 1930, Clyde was unclear how to move forward. With Buck out of the picture, he would have to become a leader and a planner, but he wasn't exactly sure where to start. On January 30th, 1930, Clyde's friend Clarence Clay invited him to a party at his sister's house. She and her husband were having some people over. Clyde thought it sounded like fun, and at the very least, it would give him an excuse to put on his finest clothes and take his car for a spin, two things he enjoyed immensely. Nobody's positive who saw who first, but most accounts suggest the attraction was immediate. Despite having mutual friends, Bonnie and Clyde had never met. That night at the party was the first time they'd ever laid eyes on each other. Clyde thought Bonnie was cute. He also liked that she was short. Clyde liked short women. Unlike the image of Clyde that Hollywood would one day conjure in the form of the six-foot-one Warren Beatty, Clyde Barrow actually stood around five feet six inches tall and weighed all of about 127 pounds. He'd spent much of his romantic life figuring out ways to appear taller to women. With Bonnie Parker, that wasn't an issue. She was only four feet 11 inches tall. Bonnie and Clyde spent the night at the party talking. They shared a love of movies and music and clothes. More importantly, they believed there was more to life than what they'd been handed. Everything about America seemed to say the poor should stay in their place and not make too much noise. Bonnie and Clyde refused to accept that. In fairy tales and movies, love at first sight was commonplace. Bonnie and Clyde left the party believing it existed in real life, too. They spent as much time together as they could, and Bonnie eagerly brought Clyde home to meet her family. She wrote him letters and shared the dreams she'd had of being a star. He told her about his crimes, and she didn't think he was doing anything particularly wrong. One night at the Parker residence, after they'd been up talking, Bonnie's mother told Clyde just to stay and sleep on the couch. There was no point in him driving home so late. The following morning, there was a knock on the Parker's door. It was the Dallas police. They'd tracked Clyde down and had come to take him away. It wasn't about his petty crimes in Dallas. The Barrow brothers had committed crimes all through North Texas and Central Texas. The Dallas cops were just there to collect Clyde. The authorities in Waco were the ones who really wanted him. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Clyde Barrow didn't mind the McLennan County Jail in Waco, Texas. The guards and inmates had a good rapport, and the jailers pretty much left the prisoners on the second floor to themselves. But Clyde knew his time in McLennan was coming to an end. He was wanted in Waco for five separate counts of car theft, and two counts of burglary. Throughout the late 1920s, Clyde had frequently made the nearly 100-mile drive south from Dallas to Waco to expand his criminal activity without drawing too much attention from the Dallas police. On one occasion, he'd stolen the car of W.W. Cameron, a prominent Waco businessman whose father is the namesake for Waco's famous Cameron Park. In March of 1930, Clyde's crimes in Waco finally caught up with him. He was convicted on multiple counts of car theft and possession of stolen goods, and he was sentenced to two years in the state prison in Huntsville. Bonnie assured Clyde that he didn't have to worry about her. She sent him a letter that said, I'll be good while you're gone and be waiting, waiting, waiting for you. But when Bonnie came to visit Clyde in the Waco jail, he made it clear that he had no intention of going to Huntsville. He sent Bonnie on a mission to retrieve a hidden gun from a friend's house and to smuggle it into jail for him. Bonnie succeeded. That was the night of Clyde's great escape that led him to Ohio. Bonnie waited in Waco as long as she could, but when it became clear Clyde wasn't coming to get her, she found her way back home to Dallas. In the meantime, Clyde and his fellow escapees ran into trouble in Ohio. Authorities in multiple states started to put the pieces together. They tracked a series of stolen cars from Waco to locations in West Texas, then north out of the state, then to the east. Clyde and his cohorts pulled off two robberies in a single night in Middletown, Ohio, a dry cleaners and a railroad depot. But they got lost while trying to get away and spent the night in the car. Authorities tracked them down and connected the stolen car back to the jailbreak in Waco. Just like in Denton, Clyde found himself fleeing from the cops on foot, but this time he didn't get away. Clyde was captured, and the McLennan County Sheriff traveled to Ohio to retrieve him and bring him back to Texas. This time, there were no smuggled guns or visits with his girlfriend. In fact, Bonnie had made no attempt to visit Clyde in Waco this time around. She found a new job in Dallas and returned to living her life. Clyde's escape and subsequent crimes had led to a 14-year sentence. She wasn't angry at Clyde like she had been at Roy Thornton, but she wasn't sure she was willing to wait for him either. She'd seen yet another fairy tale version of her life shattered. Clyde ran and didn't even get word to her. She'd risked everything by smuggling that gun into the jail to help him escape and she'd gotten nothing in return. She'd once written in her diary, let all men go to hell. Maybe Clyde was no different than any other man. After a short time in Waco, Clyde Barrow was sent to Huntsville, the state prison 
with its often violent and hateful guards, would have been bad enough. But Clyde received even worse news. They were transferring him to Eastham Prison Farm to work hard labor. Eastham had a notorious reputation for being the most brutal assignment an inmate could receive. Time at Eastham was usually reserved for repeat offenders and the most violent criminals. A relatively small-time thief like Clyde, who was barely 20 years old and still built like a child, had no business being there, and he would find that out almost immediately. In 1935, the Oswald Association, an independent oversight group, named the Texas prison system the worst in the United States. When Clyde arrived at Eastham Farm in April of 1930, some of the practices the Oswald Association would highlight were already in place. Guards at Eastham were given leeway to maintain law and order in whatever way they saw fit. Inmates endured physical and mental abuse regularly. According to several men who survived their time at Eastham, a common punishment involved the guards forcing prisoners to stand in a small tin shack. The prisoners were stripped naked and covered in honey, and the honey attracted bugs. When Clyde thought he'd do his time in Huntsville, he thought he'd have his older brother to protect him. But unbeknownst to Clyde, Buck had escaped from Huntsville not long before Clyde had escaped from the McLennan County Jail. In the end, it wouldn't have mattered because Clyde was now headed to Eastham. With no one to help him, Clyde quickly became a target for the guards and even worse, for other prisoners. Ed Crowder stood half a foot taller than Clyde and probably outweighed him by over 70 pounds. Crowder was hated among the inmates at Eastham, but most were too scared of him to do anything about it. When Clyde came into the dorms on the farm, Crowder knew he could have his way with him. Ed Crowder beat and raped Clyde Barrow regularly for almost a year. Some inmates just looked on in terror. Others laughed with Crowder when he bragged about his repeated conquests. Throughout most of 1931, Clyde suffered abuse after abuse at the hands of Ed Crowder. On October 29, 1931, Clyde decided to put an end to it. He returned to the dorms after working in the fields. He went to the showers and waited. Crowder followed just as Clyde figured he would. But Crowder didn't know Clyde was hiding something. When Crowder got close enough, Clyde lunged at him with a lead pipe, slammed it down on top of his head, and crushed his skull. Crowder dropped dead. A fellow inmate, Aubrey Scally, swooped in. Scally stabbed Crowder's body repeatedly with a shiv. Scally, who was serving life, had promised Clyde that if Clyde managed to pull off the murder, Scally would take the time. Scally was true to his word, and Clyde Barrow's first kill wouldn't be credited to him until years later. But Clyde still had to get out. Crowder was dead, but life at Eastham was still brutal. Clyde believed he would drop dead from hard labor long before he finished his sentence. Clyde also learned that Buck had returned to Huntsville State Prison, having been recaptured after his escape. Clyde now had an idea that would get him out of Eastham and reunited with his big brother. The pain from the axe would be worth it. Clyde convinced himself of that, at least. 
It would hurt like hell, but it would be quick. No one could say for sure if Clyde brought the axe blade down on himself or if he asked someone else to do it, but it didn't matter. The result was the same. On January 27, 1932, Clyde Barrow arrived at the Huntsville Prison Hospital. The entire big toe and part of the second toe on his left foot had been chopped off. Clyde was done with Eastham. Unfortunately for Clyde, if he'd been able to hold out a little longer, he could have kept his toes. On the outside, his mother and other family members were working tirelessly to secure his release. They argued that his sentence didn't remotely fit his crimes. Less than a week after he took an axe to his toes, Clyde got parole and was released from prison. Almost immediately, he returned to Dallas. Clyde hadn't spoken to Bonnie in a long time, but he didn't care. He was out of prison and he belonged with her. He'd heard she had a new boyfriend, but he wasn't gonna let something like that stand in his way. He limped up to Bonnie's house, still struggling to walk on his mangled foot. Bonnie ran to him. He told her he was never going back inside. He said he would die before he returned to prison. And that was enough for Bonnie. The new boyfriend might as well have disappeared into thin air. Bonnie would later write in a poem called Trails End, You've read the story of Jesse James, of how he lived and died. If you're still in need of something to read, here's the story of Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde were back together, and nothing could tear them apart. On that winter day in Dallas, as they held each other for the first time in over a year, the story of Bonnie and Clyde was just beginning. Next time on Infamous America, Clyde Barrow tries to go straight, but he can't stay away from a life of crime. Soon, Bonnie Parker joins the gang and finds herself in jail. A robbery and a daring escape lead to murder, and the legend of Bonnie and Clyde starts to grow. That's next week on Infamous America. This season was co-executive produced by Stephen Walters in association with Ritual Productions. Research and writing by Michael Federico. The theme song for this season is the story of Bonnie and Clyde. The lyrics were adapted from the poem, The Trail's End by Bonnie Parker, and the music was written and produced by Brian Ray. The song was performed by Brian Ray, Orianthi Penagaris, and Stephen Pack. It was recorded at Bad Manor Studio by Jose Alcantar. Additional original music by Rob Valier. Audio editing and sound design by Dave Harrison. I'm your host and producer, Chris Wimmer. Find us at our website, blackbarrelmedia.com, or on our social media channels. We're Black Barrel Media on Facebook and Instagram, and B Barrel Media on Twitter. And you can stream all our episodes on YouTube. Just search for Infamous America Podcast. Thanks for listening.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.